I just noticed that Skype's got a new jazzy ringtone. Does it? It's, ki- it's kind of the same, but it's got more of a beat going under it now. Is it the boop boop? Boop boop? Bit? No, it's the do 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 do. Has that not always been? The... No, I think you're right. I think they've kind of they've jazzed it up. So... It's not as slow. There's not as much of a pause. Yeah, yeah, a good, a good thump to it. Mm-hmm. Okay, man, I'd get that dance thing. <laughs> Imagine that then, I'm just phoning folk on Skype. It's like, don't answer don't it. Answer. <laughs> I bet if you go on YouTube, there's like a video and it's just the Skype ringtone for 10 hours. I remember, I uh, did you, did you uh, oh, fuck, what was it, uh, the Rip Mail um, show, uh, not um, Bottom, before that when there were students. Was it Bottom? Oh, the, uh, young, the young ones. ones. Aye, there's a, I remember the young ones, uh, the guy called Neil, he turns on the telly, it's just static. And they're like, it's just, it's like, no, I love this. Boo! And he starts dancing, doing the static noise, and I always thought it was fucking great. <laughs> right, are we ready to go? Yeah, I've stood, I've stood the traffic lights and given it a whoop while we across. Funny you should say that, Neil. Like, uh, other people are obviously getting this kind of inspiration as well because Too Many Zoos released their new oh. music video this week, and uh, it's called Car Alarm, and it's them playing music next to a car uh, and its alarm's going off. Uh, the car, the, the car alarm thing should not feature. It completely in the song. detracts from yeah, the song. It's like, kind see of the, annoying and distracting. At, at the point where it's that maybe the point of it. Like, I think they're just trying to do something different. Do you mean they're just right. trying to like? I can appreciate the sentiment behind what the music video is about, but ultimately it means you're listening to a car alarm for four or five minutes. Yeah, in the music video, you see a guy rock, like breaking into this car, and then he kind of runs off and then just comes into shot as Leo P and the boys and I'm like and like a velour tracksuit yeah and I'm like these are accessories to uh, a felony <laughs> you just watch that guy <laughs> we, do that we, we got the gimmick like uh, at the start of the video the point in the video where the, the car alarm stops and, and then, then they kind of just they kind of hit the car a bit to so start again, again. I, they like... should have just left it they should have just played the, the music from there on out yes though I, I guess maybe in their eyes that would have uh, jeopardised the artistic integrity of the uh, the piece like Leo P's more worried about the integrity of his hair and his clothes. Is that right? Like, he looks fine as well, man, so power to him. He looks a bit like, because like, he's got his hair green, he looks a bit like Leto's Joker. So, uh, we're already in what seems to be podcast mode, so I guess this is Raptors <laughs> in the Kitchen on the 17th of October 2018. I'm and- one of your hosts, Paco Rodriguez. I'm joined by Neil McCulloch, aka Existential Dread. How's it going, Neil? I- I'd like to point out, I have no idea who that is you were talking about. <laughs> you never heard of the band Too Many Zoos? No. Uh, are, are they like YouTubers? They're a brass band that started <laughs> off in like oh, right. the subway. They're, they're buskers. Right, like, uh, okay. But like, they're, they're really good. They're really, uh-huh. really good. Okay. Mm. I'll have you look at that. I'm, I'm alright. No bad. I, a big kind of proponent of whether or not you like them is your tolerance for pretentious bullshit because they are very pretentious. Yeah. That, can, that can go back and forth with me. Yeah, yeah like I, I don't I, think I, I could... I, I enjoy a good bit of pretension but it has to be my kind of pretension mm. that I... Um, I, my thoughts are... Uh... Who are you? Hold on. That's oh. Tommy Vance. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Thanks. Um, my thought is I don't know if I would if I like seen Big Leo P in the street. I don't know if I could be bothered with shit. But does, does he's he a look, really does, good musician. 
does he look like one of these folk that cut about the art school? Yes. They don't actually go to the art school, but they think they're dead bohemian. And... He's that, but turn it up to 11. But I mean, like, he is uh, an yeah. absolute master of the baritone saxophone, so... He's a, he's a, he's think, a killer right, dance okay. moves as well, man. Yeah. So, he, he so, he's a, he's, so he's allowed to be a hipster then? Yeah. Yeah, he right, gets a pass. Right, <laughs> he is the kind of person right. who doesn't just coordinate the colour of his shoes with his outfit, but the colour of his hair with his outfit, Neil. Do you coordinate that? The man is a, he looks like a mess. He looks as if he's been yes, dressed in the but, dark. But it's like a strategic mess. It's like yeah. he, he knows exactly what he is. I love him. I uh, no, great. I do as well, but I, he's very entertaining. I also really like the drummer, the King of Sludge. So I guess a good name for a drummer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, I was just about to say that we all seem quite uh, high energy, high energy for a show that's going to be recovery. That's a recovery show for one that we screwed up. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> we're a bit late recording the show this time around because thanks to the magic of the internet, the last one just got totally fucked. Where you could hear what me and Tommy were saying, but for some reason. Neil said hi at the start of the Skype call and then we didn't hear him again without listening back to the recording after that. Alright, um, um, okay, so, so do you, want, do you want to cover the news and all that from last week as well? No, right, okay. it's a bit too late. Nah, we both yeah. say, like, all three of us watched Venom, all three of us enjoyed it, but thought it was a fucking disaster from start to finish. That pretty much yeah. summed it up. That's yeah. fair, yeah. That, that is fair, yep. Um, okay. So, no, I'm not saying don't go and watch it, I'm just saying... Don't expect anything from it. Yeah. I can 100% understand why critics hate it. I can also 100% yeah. understand why most people come out of it entertaining saying, yeah, it was all right. It's yeah. top, top the box office for the second week running, so it's, it's going nowhere. Yeah. And it's getting what was it like a, it made 80 million in its first weekend? It's first couple of days, aye, and it's top mm. that. Like, uh, first man is, I don't think, is getting the, the business that it should be. <laughs> so Which far. is a, obviously about Adam from the Book of Genesis. Correct. <laughs> but it's a sci-fi take it's, it's the moon. <laughs> Adam Moon uh, so how's you guys is, is, is week been I've been back I've been back at work haven't had almost four weeks off my god that's the dream know, it, 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 it is a dream I'll be absolutely skint it's a double edged sword though man yeah, it's, like, this is yeah. the problem. I will be absolutely skint for the next month the, the longer you take off as well, though. Like the the harder it is to actually go back in it. Like just aye. Well, I've been back. I went back on Sunday. I had Sunday during the day, Monday night, Tuesday night, and I've done during the day today. And it's been all right. It's been yeah. fine. I've actually settled in quite quickly. I tend to find it's always like just the night before where I just get like that fucking total dread. anxiety and yeah. dread of like, oh for fuck's sake, yeah. what if everything's changed man, will folk even recognise me? <laughs> no, I'm not quite that bad but I know what you mean, like it's that night before and it's almost like you're staying awake just to savour it and then when you wake up in the morning yeah. you're like, it's going to take me fucking ages to get out of my but bed because I that's don't really, like, See even when I get like a week home. off, like by the Tuesday of my week off I've mm. already started to be the whole, oh I don't have that long left. Like that's the mindset. Yeah. I've like five days like, left or six yeah, days. Like I, I think be, off. being off for a week, it's harder to go back mm. to than being off for like the four weeks. Because mm. by the end of the week, you think you've just had no time off at all. Sure. Whereas by the end of last week, I was like, right, okay, yeah. what will I do today? And you try to find things to do. Mm. I'll, I'll quite often get three weeks off at the one time. 
like a just a way the kind of holidays work out mm, yeah. and a by the end of those three weeks I'm usually getting to the point where I'm pretty bored yeah so nah, you do get that man um, which is crazy because I also love doing absolutely nothing so yeah. you think totally like that's the, I mean when I was up north I pretty much did absolutely nothing and sometimes you just need that yeah like, I just what did you do on my week off fuck all and it was the greatest thing I did absolutely nothing and it was everything I <laughs> yeah, I yeah, yeah office space yeah. I don't know if I could think about that but. One of the best movies of all time, man. Like, I know. does it get talked about enough? That film, honestly, like out of every character in fiction, I think that a uh, man. What's his name? Ron Livingston's character name? I can't even remember. Peter. Peter. Yeah. Hey, Peter, man, check out this check. Okay, I think he's like the most relatable character I think I've ever ever seen in fiction. <laughs> like that bit where uh, the Bobs say, him, "So, Peter." Who you've been missing a lot of work recently? And his response is just, "Well, I wouldn't say I was missing it, Bob." And they laugh. <laughs> the pleasure is entirely on this side yeah, of the table. Yeah, John C. McGinley's amazing in that film as well. <laughs> um, How about you, Tom? How's your week been? Oh, fine, man. Uh, been to the cinema a couple of times, and I—I I mean, I don't think it was, but I'm going to take credit and say it was this podcast that changed. Uh, in the yes, cinema, we should take credit for this. We are taking credit for this. In City World, I mean, you may, listeners, you might have heard me and Neil bitching a lot about, and we still do it, even when I'm in the screen, and this, the advert for when it coming, you telling you about the trailers and upcoming features, features a really terribly, terribly uh, cast uh, actor, this blonde guy who just looks bored, disinterested, wooden. And He's is also a, a total creep. And is a creep and a charisma yeah, vacuum. Yeah. But basically... Well, it- it's the time for a tasty debrief line, which really creeps me out about him. He looks like he's interrupting a date. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, like, I, I think that's supposed to be intentional, but, like, I don't think they, I think it's just a tone deaf thing. I didn't realise just how socially awkward it is. Yeah. Like, Are you suggesting that this <clears throat> blonde gentleman is some kind of omniscient. Okay, I can't speak. I think he is supposed to like omnipotent God I think who just appears to, after cinema. I think he's supposed to represent like the Cineworld experience. So the idea oh, is that right, by okay. him being at the table with them during the meal, like he is the discussion about the film. I think that's what they're supposed to be going for. Like but uh, really what it just I, looks like is no, he's a fucking I, I never got that. The from reason that. I don't get that is because he tries to engage in conversation with the guy. Does he? Yeah. He kinda yeah, turns, turns and kinda turns whispers to, the guy. to him. And, and even the though guy asks something, yeah, and you're like, he's not in the same room as that guy, no chance, right? Um, but yeah, do you but, know what's more annoying than that guy though? To me personally, what is like the 4DX trailer where like the woman gets kicked out the window and skates across yeah, the window and trailer. stuff? Yeah, it's, like, it's horrendously inaccurate. Specifically, it's how completely I, fucking idiotic the guy at the end looks. Like he's got like a his jacket is like zipped down to pretty much his fucking navel. Mm. He's got like a huge chain and like he's got the stupidest grin on his face. Like it really annoys me. Yeah. Like, it I just annoys never... me that those those people that they're watching it's, <clears> again. <throat> it comes back to the whole thing I have when it's like a music video and it's like the people that are singing in the video are coming out of like a theatre and it's the title of the video is the, 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 the show watching. Yeah. yeah like the, the Nelly one you remember that one with featuring um, Thingy from Destiny's Child is that, that is that the one where she tries to text them in Microsoft using Microsoft Excel yeah that really fucked me for years and then they explained well, we did it because we thought it looked really futuristic. It's like, it's really fucking stupid. She tried to text him using a spreadsheet. 
Uh, like yeah, she, she's, she's got like a, one of these kind of remember the like the pebble phones that slid, yeah, 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 and yeah. you had the key keyboard there. She's got one of those, and it's, she's supposed to be texting Big Nelly, and Nelly's kind of looking at these texts. So you see what she's written, but when it cuts back to her, it's over the shoulder, and you see her typing, but it's in Microsoft Excel. It's like column A, <laughs> it's like she's entering data. It's so yeah, so stupid. Yeah. My point being is though, like uh, the, the people that feature in that 4DX advert uh, watching that film are actually in the crowd as well watching the film. And I was like, it's wearing the same shit, and I'm like, that. So anyway, I guess the, what the point of this story is is like that advert with the annoying blonde guy has been replaced. No, they've shortened it. Yeah, they they've shortened it, and I'm very, very happy with that. Because there, there used to I be like, like man, <clears throat> you'd, get two, you'd get two at the start, <laughs> the 4DX. <clears throat> You'd get the the super screen one. You'd get the one where the blonde guy goes, does all the different types of movie scenes, and then looks bored by the end of it. And then you get the tiny, a tiny, tasty debrief. Um, but they've short. They they have shortened them. Yeah. So, so I guess that we're giving this much time to this thing that means it's a slow news week. Is that it's is a that slow news week? Is that the vibe I'm getting? No, the, this, this, this you were asking kind of how my week went. I know the cinema. Yeah, you're asking if my week went. I was like, well, I was quite overjoyed to find out that they've cut that, and I, we Raps of the Kitchen are going to take 100 percent credit for that because yeah. our 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 you know we didn't tweet MD, but our our you know this, our discussions that have been list have been taken on board by. City World Cinemas, and okay. they, they actually did it what, because of us. What, what this suggests isn't that it's Allegedly. a slow news week. It just suggests that Tommy has nothing else going on in his life. I don't. I don't. <laughs> I watched. I watched movies, and I went to work, and that is it. Oh yeah, and we've got an upcoming feature where we're going to watch all the Halloween films, and uh, I've been watching some of them as well. And up, I'm halfway through five. I have watched two of them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll get there. I'll get there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so will we go straight into the news then? How was your week, Paco? I'm glad you asked, Tommy, because yeah, I climbed a mountain, mate. It wasn't really a mountain, it was a hill. It's a mountain? I think you'll find that like the definition of a mountain is anything that's above 2,000 feet. Mm, okay. So, uh, yeah. fuck you. Didn't look that hard. It was a mountain, it wasn't that hard, it was the easiest one. <laughs> like, uh, also, uh, <laughs> you're like at like 10 past 8 the other night and it's pitch black. Do you want to go for a walk around Bellhouston Park? Like, no. It's yeah, like part. a sex offender. <clears throat> well, <laughs> not like that. Funny you should say that, Neil, because uh, <laughs> unbeknownst to myself, apparently Bellhouston Park is just where all the Neds hang out. It's half they? term as well, so all yeah, the kids of course, stay out past yeah, the, so like the time. You, 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 you live right next to Govan, of course, that's where all yeah, the Neds hang so out. They're all out like, trying to get their wind on or whatever in the dark park and stuff, man. But like uh, a tear decided I wanted to go for a walk, but because it was dark, I took my fucking headlamp, like uh, that so, I bought for the West Island Way. So they're trying so to get like, their wind shot, yeah, and then there's a guy wandering yeah, about just with a headlamp. With a headlamp on, man. Like just a like... total sex pest. <laughs> I'm very glad I didn't join you for that stroll. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's been like you were trying to dog. <laughs> yeah, well. There's your dog in there. Yeah, like I was listening to the audiobook of Snow Crash on the way around, and hey, man, that is intolerable. <laughs> like, that, <laughs> wow. that book is just, it is. Do you know, I don't think, right, <clears throat> so it's like a cyberpunk thing uh, where it takes place in, like, a, a future where corporations have became mega corporations and, like, everything is just 
capitalism, so, but to the extreme. So, like every cyberpunk story exactly, ever written, exactly <laughs> right. But like this was written long enough ago, where I think this was like one of the kind of the, the kind of first of that type right. of book. Okay, so you kind of need to approach it with that mindset, but at the same time, like as you have said, Neil, like we have seen this so many times and mm-hmm. now done better so many times as well. I think, but also it keeps giving me Ready Player One vibes. Uh, it's like the the main person's name in this, the main character's name is hero protagonist. That's his name. That's uh, oh, that's man. rubbish. Yeah, yeah. Just John Everyman. Fucking, it's so bad. It's like it's cringeworthy bad. And like the the first forty five minutes are essentially just him at length talking about delivering a pizza. And how he's never been late delivering a pizza, but then something happens yeah. in this night to make him late delivering a pizza. Why didn't you find See, the audiobook I, of Air Force Gator? <laughs> the thing is, though, like, I can't really complain about like long scenes about guys talking about delivering pizza things like that, because I love the book American Psycho, and yeah, that goes into stuff like business cards at great length. It goes into a discussion about uh, the... Huey Lewis in the news album Sports yeah, at great like, length so I'm kind of used uh, to that these, these things like don't get me wrong like both Snow Crash and a American Psycho are complete commentaries on that kind of style of life and like what things right, okay. could turn out like they're both similar in that respect but I would imagine having only watched American Psycho and never read the book they're like it's handled in a, like a just less pretentious and well, like great and way. The, the, like, the, the, the tone of Snow Crash is so similar to Ready Player One. The thing right. about American Psycho is because it's from the perspective of Patrick Bateman, it is written as if you're in the mind of a sociopath. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. at one point, it goes on for pages and pages about how he gets this kettle but then he discusses where the kettle was bought, why it was bought from there. And I was like that. I was just... I was like, my mind was just kind of, and then all of a sudden I was like, and then I chopped her hand off. I'm like, fuck, did he kill a guy? And I'm like, I need to go back because I'm like, yeah. it was just yeah. toaster, toaster, toaster. Where do you get it from here? The yeah. American Cycle is a great book, man. What's, uh, it's what's it's an absolutely fantastic book. What's the, is the, what's the name of the guy who wrote Ready Player One? Is it Clint Everest or something like that? Ernest Clint, uh, Clint Ernest, something like that. Ernest Klein. Ernest Klein. Like a, he clearly ripped off Snow Crash in Ready Player One. Okay. And like, do you, like, they're too similar for it to be a coincidence, mm. right? Uh, mm. Right down to even like, the, like a, a massive part of this is set like in his spare time because the real world is so shit. They mm. go to like a virtual world, mm. uh, just called the street, yeah. and but it's just That's it's really right, bad. Yeah. Like, I, I would imagine I'd have a lot more tolerance for it if Ready Player One didn't exist. But like, right. the fact that these just seem so similar. It's fucking. It's making it an absolute chore to get through, man. I don't think I'm going to make it to the end of that book. Wow, <clears throat> it is. So you finished June? For, yeah, mm. that remains. Was that the audio book you were listening yeah. to? Like I just listened to it uh, at work. Was it unabridged? Yeah. What did? Where did you get it? A audible. Like if you oh, right, remember, yeah, if you remember yeah. of a Amazon Prime. Then you get three months uh, Audible. For they, don't, they don't need plugged. I know how Audible works. Yeah. I'm just telling you, man. <laughs> fuck's sake. All right. It's on the internet, Neil. <clears throat> but yeah, like, right. I mean, like... <laughs> Jim... so, it's pro- so it's probably on YouTube. <laughs> Read by Stephen Fry. You can torrent it easily. Like, I, I yeah. can. Every audiobook you can torrent. It's just, it's just I, I've tried to read that book 
so many times. Hard. And it's hard. It's, it's so it's so it, dry. It's a lot easier to digest uh, when you're just listening to it. Yeah. Though, like again, I don't know how much of that is just because like. I've read all the books, so I kind of I'm used to the terms and shit. Yeah, man. It was yeah. like, see, um, see, when I was reading it, it's like, <coughs> do you remember the scene in Black Books where Bernard Black's trying to do his taxes and he's shouting at the pages because he's no idea what's going yeah. on? That is me. Like, what the I've, fuck does that mean? <laughs> I've finished it once, but it's been done in stages yeah. where there's been so much of a gap that I don't really remember the start. So it's, it's my excellent. my knowledge of Dune is a total mishmash of the book and the David Lynch version. Yeah. See, that's that's the thing, man. It's like it, I want to read it, and it's it's because it's so fucking hard for me to read. Like because you told me where it goes from, and I'm like, man, that all sounds fucking. Like, even yeah. even now, like listening back to it now, there's still moments where just the the way that he words a sentence, like just the, it, it feels crafted in a way that you don't really get that often anymore. Mm. Uh, in cinema or in books, even like a uh, like more modern kind of books, because we've had like a hundred years of cinema now. Like everybody writes books as if they're screenplays, really. Yeah. Um, and that kind of that art, like especially in sci-fi, suffers for it the most. Like science fiction used to be written as if it was actually like a scientific experiment. You know, do you know what I mean like like people used to kind of. Describe things in scientific ways and stuff like that. Yeah, it's kind of like an I am legend. You like now, what would happen if this happened? Yeah. To you? Now, now it's all just it's drama with a sci-fi edge to it, which mm. can still be good, but like it's still it's, it's kind of lacking it's something. something. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. But yeah, like every now and again in June, like they would say something, and just just the sentence on its own was like one of those things where it would just play back in my mind for a good hour after I heard it because it was just it just sounded good. It's it's um, funny you say that, man, because you kind of have hit the nail on the head. Because I mean. When I when reading uh, the graphic novels that Neil gives a shot of uh, of the Lovecraft stuff, yeah, it's really old writing, but it's so simple, and it is just like yeah. man, the, there's like, a there's a real. I mean, I've said it before talking about the original Predator film, mm-hmm. but it's just a really simple intelligence where it doesn't try to come across as intelligent by being convoluted, yeah, or bombard it's, you, yeah, it's with it's confident stuff. in itself, yeah, right, that's, yeah. that's it, confident, uh, yeah. But yeah, like June, it, it's like parts of it are kind of aged poorly because like it is amazingly sexist uh, mm. falls into the whole kind of using homosexuality as a kind of shortcut to indicate that someone is evil uh, uh, it also has that whole thing where if someone's kind of fat and disgusting that's also an indicator that they're evil like Baron Harkonnen's yeah. like a fucking like, mess you know, it's, it's, it's those things like where flying it's like, fat man yeah, yeah but back in, and he's also gay and they kind of make out that he's possibly a paedophile you know, it's like right. it's just it's the the full bingo so it's card. It's a triple of, crown. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> the full bingo card of villain. Like I think they just stopped short of calling him a Tory. It's uh, <laughs> pretty much it. Well, well, he'd be a Republican because it's American. Um, but yeah, like space it, Republican. It was absolutely refreshing just to, I mean, to hear a book that you know has so much effort put into it. <laughs> See again, the idea that. It's a book. It's an adult book, and someone's reading it, but they feel the need to do voices for characters. It just yeah. sounds a bit weird. Like, and then Baron Harkonnen said, "That's going to do." That's, like, honestly, that's what's uh, uh, put me off of audiobooks <laughs> for the longest time. But like, because of the nature of my work, I've got like four or five hours a day when I'm on my own, pretty much. And like, I've ran out of like podcasts. I've listened to Spotify so many times and stuff. Like, I need this sort of thing. And like, mm-hmm. you you do get things where it's like a full. 
dramatization of it like the I'm sure we've spoke about this on the show before but like the BBC do a lot, a lot of stuff where it's like a full cast like uh, the Lord yeah. of the Rings they did Ian Holm yeah, was Frodo aye they've done loads um, of stuff like over the years how have you not resorted to like murder podcasts like the rest of the rest of the whole world I, I listened to do you do that man? yeah I listened to I, I listened to a lot of serial uh, exactly, exactly. I listened to the first season serial of serial killers and true crime I enjoyed the first season of serial but like eventually it got to the point near near the end of the first season where she started taking people's calls and talking more about like the public response right. to it uh, and when it became that kind of social mob justice bullshit that you see on Facebook that's yeah. when I stepped out like I just I fucking hate the idea that someone can listen to a podcast or watch like Making a Murder on Netflix and yeah. then decide that they are qualified to make fucking legal judgments I, I hate it I cannot stand it so as much as, uh, as much as I enjoyed serial, like that was the thing that kind of put an end to me watching anything like that. What's your favorite? What, what, what one I like? Oh, like I, the breakfast. The one. breakfast cereal. Mm-hmm. Right now, it's probably crunchy nut corn flakes. Those are fro- what? Those are what's it? The frosties, frosties for wankers. Frosties for wankers. <laughs> the frosties are just corn flakes for people who can't deal with life. <laughs> <laughs> See, as that's, soon, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. As, as soon as you fucking said this, you go about like I knew that's the route I was going to go down. Yeah. Crunching up cornflakes are just frosties for wankers. <laughs> yeah, but frosties are just cornflakes for people who can't deal with life. Yeah, it's a fucking excellent quote. That's great. Peep, peep show, by the way, in case anybody's wondering. Yeah, ah, oh, super, super. <laughs> Do you have a favourite cereal deal? Uh. Not really, to be honest. I like quite a few. I'm a fan of. I like uh what do you call it? You look like a honey oh. nut loops kind of guy. I do. Oh, I, I used to love honey nut loops, man. I hate them and they're shite. Oh, they're great. Is <laughs> can you explain your uh, your hatred of the sugar puff? Oh no! And I, oh. Fuck <laughs> sugar. sugar you? Do you know what's more confusing about that it to guy, me, man? It's like you, you detest the sugar puff monster, but you love Gritty. Aye, the, the fucking hockey thing. And like, <laughs> Scott, it looks they are the same, man. practically the same. Gritty, Gritty is the hero we need, we deserve. No, man, like, the sugar, like, the honey monster is a total rag, man. Like, for years, he'd come on the telly <laughs> in his mad, <laughs> his mad tracksuit, and he'd get his wee celebrity pals, like, uh, I was going to say big Dennis Wise, but there's nothing big about Dennis Wise. He's like tiny, Someone and he kicked for Newcastle United. <laughs> who, who cares? That dude man was a hell of a goal. He's hanging, he's hanging about with the honey monster. He's obviously a dick. Because <laughs> so, like, you've also they, got like they, a really they, irrational they, hatred of penguins as well. No, I know what that is. <sighs> it's something to do with butlers. No, it was the one time he went to Edinburgh Zoo and I think he took some acid and the penguin march freaked him out. <laughs> Yeah, that, right? that is that is the true story of that. Yes, <laughs> that is the true story of why I, I I'm all right with penguins now. It's fine. They're all right. With... <laughs> I think they're adorable. They're just, they're just assholes. They're essentially the tuxedo t-shirts of the animal kingdom. That is exactly what they are. Yeah. Man. That is a review. We should have that on they're, planet Earth. They're fun and formal. <laughs> <laughs> Put that on Edinburgh's next documentary. <laughs> <laughs> Right. So yes, my, my hatred of the honey monster stems from him thinking he's all that. Thinks he's dead good. The honey monster is the Kim Kardashian of cereal. Oh fuck off! That is harsh as fuck, Ben. Thinks he's pure dead great, but he's getting 
but he's got no talent. That's Stephen the Tony oh, Tiger's territory. The honey monster is the beer ape of the cereal world. Oh man, beer ape? I forgot all about that. How many times have you watched that? So <laughs> first came out. many times. It like, is the greatest every, fucking advert ever made. Every single thing about that advert is absolutely brilliant. Like, seeing a bit where it's like diving into the pool and like kind of just is given like a, yeah. a peace sign as it jumps in. Yeah, no, he's no, he's, he's playing the guitar. <laughs> Yeah, for for you don't know, look it up. It's um, Rolling Rock beer um, ad, and it's a couple of years ago. But basically, there's this pool party where nobody has brought alcohol, which again is stupid. And then all of a sudden, this ape parachutes into the party and starts giving out beers and like dancing with the women and just being dead cool and like the life of the party. It's it's fucking incredible. <laughs> it's up there. It's possibly one of the best adverts of all time. Absolutely, man. Easy top five. What, what else is up there? What have you stick out in your mind, Tom? Oh, it's kind of like a really good advert. Um, it's like it's like how you get mad at the Volvo adverts, fucking, yeah, because they don't have anything to do. With well, yeah, like it's yeah, very it. very easy to get mad at car adverts. I yeah, hate car yeah. adverts because like, uh, they're trying to sell you a lifestyle, yeah, not yeah. a product. Yeah, I like. The, I remember the Marks and Spencer's advert where it had Fleetwood Mac's Albatross playing over it, whilst you seen like a roast chicken. And oh, like, holy that. shit, man! I'm fucking wanting that big time. Do they, do they not? Do they not like cut in there like a chocolate sponge? You know the stuff oozes out. Aye, and you're just it's like, it's like this bowl of food. Yeah, by it, man. Um, so food porn. Is basically that's good. Yeah. I, again, we were talking talk about the car one. I remember a car advert years ago where it had Layla by Clapton, and it was just this car zipping about the fucking place, and that was a shit hot advert, man. An advert that freaked me out. I think it was Scotch videotape where it was the CGI skeletons just family kicking oh, out. Yeah, I remember, that freaked yeah. me the fuck out, man. And the McCune export me- guy, he freaked me out as well, man. Do, do, you, remember- do you remember the Judder man? Yes, I do. Yes, I the, do. I think that was Mets. That was, like an alcopop called Mets. Aye. Uh, the, they had a thing called the, the Judder man. Yeah, it was this creep. like uh, ice creature kind of guy that was crazy. They used to be kind of like, wandered about parks with a head in the way that was you. Yeah. Shows and stuff dedicated to like strange from the other like Lloyd Grossman had one called TV Addicts, and then Jasper <laughs> Carrot had one called Canned Carrot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, there's there's a, there a few good ads back in the day. The Japanese ones are always the best ones. They're fucking mental. There's, like a, there's a, so weird. There's a series of uh, Japanese cup noodle ones where like it starts off and it's like this little kind of Asian girl like a uh, like pigtails and stuff like. A Hello Kitty stuff and that attached to her, mm. and like she eats the the super noodles and like gets like energized and like sparks and shit comes out like it's an anime like rainbows and everything all over the place. Fucking and then like what? for the next advert from the same company, they decided to recreate that entire advert shot for shot, but instead of having like a teenage Asian girl in it, they just replaced her with this granddad but dressed them exactly the same. I and think they, I've seen that. Yeah. It's just it's really funny, man. It's really well done. And nice. then they did like a kind of Michelle, a uh, Michelle Gondry is that his name? The Michelle guy did, Gondry. Michelle Gondry. Um, yeah. Be kind of mind, like style, Aye. like cheap version of it. Where like they recreated cool. it out of cardboard and stuff. That's and, pretty good. Yeah. yeah, the ones are fun. Yeah, um, I'm not a fan of the current Snickers advert where it's at a house party and folk are having rap battles. Um, and yeah, it's Elton no. John, and then you're like. I'll have a Snickers you're not yourself when you're hungry and then he eats it and then it's not Ellen John it's the other guy and he starts rapping no problem it just, I'm just not, like, Ellen John really, I've not really been a fan of any of those adverts to be honest no the Mr Bean one sucked as well 
I liked the one where Mr. T was shooting Snickers out of a tank at a guy's head. That was cool, yeah. yeah. That was pretty good. Yeah. I don't so, like Snickers, uh, but I kind of wanted to buy one. Movie news? Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's dive right into the movie news. You can't none say this, dive right into the movie news. None of this dilly <laughs> We've just spent half an hour talking That's shit. You can't say dive and, right and, and, That's and the joke. And there's an intro to spice on top yeah. of that. <laughs> Jesus fuck, man. Don't, don't ruin the magic, Neil. Don't, uh, don't pull the curtain back. They don't uh, know that. Uh, alright so what, one take Rodriguez <laughs> first time every time well not this time <laughs> that's the joke yes uh, so first bit of news uh, John Carpenter has been out and about uh, is that Alan. it? Just he's out and about? He's out and about, man. He's yeah, out guys, his... guys like 80 year olds yeah. being out and about is probably quite a good thing yeah, for he's him risen from his grave <laughs> and uh, he's out and about Um yeah, John Carpenter has been out doing uh, promotional uh, interviews for the upcoming Halloween film, which he is executive producing and doing music and a consultant. Do you know he's a gamer? It doesn't surprise uh, me. I, I read yeah. that the other week. Like, yeah. uh, he usually gives like a top 10 games of the year list to the giant ball. Cool. Yeah. Um, it's also why he's not directing anything anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah because he started, he started yeah. playing Destiny. Yeah, well, <laughs> funny you mentioned not directing. He was out and during an interview... He teased a They Live sequel uh, during. Uh, uh, that's a film that doesn't need a sequel. No, I know. Uh, during a recent review, he said that at one point Matt Reeves was set to direct. It was attached to a film called Resistance, which was going to be based in that world, possibly the sequel. And he walked away. And then when he was asked about how he would, uh, how John Carpenter would, uh, what would his take be on the sequel, he said, uh, "I'm not going to tell you about that because it might be closer to reality than you think." take with that what you will I don't know right, first of all They Live is a film that doesn't need a sequel no also does it end with the potential for a sequel no not really to be honest mm. well yeah you can do you can move, do stuff in that world yeah uh, that follows on from that yeah I suppose oh, but the past few John Carpenter directed films have been gash yeah, I mean, as much as I do love John Carpenter, he had his era, and it was yeah. the, it was the era of the VHS. Uh, uh, for no one who knows what that is, that was the nineteen eighties. Um, so that, <laughs> unless let maybe let Bloomhouse will give him cash. Well, I mean, being a consultant on a new Halloween film, I mean, they're Bloomhouse, so maybe yeah. Jason Blo- is it Jason Bloom? He might be keen Jason to get Bo- John Carpenter. Jason Bourne. Jason Bourne. Uh, yeah, well, if they if they get like Bloomhouse money mm-hmm. and Bloomhouse production values into it, yeah. instead of Ghost of Mars production values, is that the last one he done? No, he did a film called The uh, Ward, which was okay. Do you know the Ward was okay? Yeah, it was okay, okay, but that was that's all you could say. Yeah, it was okay. <clears throat> but yeah, um, when was that? Oh, that was a good while ago. Yeah, was, was that the it. same? Was that the same year that Wes Craven's last film came out? Uh, probably, uh, it was like when 2011, 2012, I think. Yeah. Something like that. But yeah, the word was alright. What was his last one? Wes Craven. Oh, it, it, I think it bombed. Uh, yeah. I remember seeing the trailer for it and it looked shit. Um, but yeah, that was. I can't, what the fuck was it called? Like, see, he he's responsible for like Nightmare on Elm Street, right? Mm. Yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street. He, he also done Scream. Yeah. yeah. Like. Again, I've not really seen too much of Nightmare on Elm Street, but like I do love Scream. Like, are his other films like as self-aware as Scream is? Uh, no, like no, Scream no. was well, no, no, because no. like he he kind of 
I don't want to say he started it, but he kind of started that whole self-aware meta thing with Wes Craven's new Nightmare, and then Scream was like huge because of what it was. Um, and then you had like various nineties, not rip-offs, but like you know the teen slasher horror films. Scream, in many ways, was way it was was ahead of its time. But no, uh, he was very much part of like that era of the like the 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 video hot video nasty era, mm. like the Hills of Eyes, um, like Sam Raimi's The Evil Dead and all that stuff that was banned because it was too fucking controversial. Um, the House at the End of the Street, I think, is one of his as well. Did you like? Oh, sorry, Last House on the Left. Did you like the character Randy in Scream? Well, it's a scream, baby. That guy, because that's pretty much you. Oh my god! That's <laughs> horrible, man. What a horrible thing to say. Matthew Lillard. No, you're not right. He was he was weird in Twin Peaks: The Return, but then who wasn't? I was Um, but yeah. So also, John Carpenter was asked about what's his take on the Big Trouble sequel reboot with Dwayne the Rock Johnson, and he says they want a film with the Rock in it. They don't give a shit about me or my film because that film wasn't successful. And I was like, that is a fair point, and it's probably accurate. Yeah. Big Trouble Little China wasn't successful. No, I was not ah. fuck all. Maybe in its cinema release, but surely that must have... I mean, it is a cult classic, and it's like something that's inspired so many other things, like Metal Gear Solid. So. Maybe. Yeah, it's a cult classic, but like cinematically, they didn't know how to market How do you market uh, that film? I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure Fox only care about getting a film with a rock in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I and guess re- like... Rebooting everything is the way you go. When you really think about it, like, strangely, Big Trouble Little China uh, had more influence on video games than it did other movies. Because, like, <clears throat> uh, Raiden from Mortal Kombat yeah, was yeah. also from that movie. But with Big, Big Trouble Little China, they just they didn't know how to market. They just didn't know what it was. Is that an Eastern? Is that a Western? Is that a martial arts film? Is that an adventure film? I, I can kind of understand how that would be the case. It's a weird movie. Yeah, and you also say it's, it's a great movie, but it's it's, yeah. it's kind of weird. It also has that bit where Lopan looks as if he's playing a pad when he's having that wee spirit fight with oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Egg. Uh-huh. Egg Shed. again coming back to the fact that John Carpenter is in fact a gamer. So. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. But that's uh, that is all my news on John Carpenter. This uh, just <clears throat> the, we, like we didn't we've not mentioned in the podcast that a. Four of his films are being re-released in 4K in the cinema. They are um, Prince of Darkness, The Fog, Escape from New York, and They Live. Um, as far as I know, Glasgow is getting all of them apart from Prince of Darkness, or maybe they've not put it up yet. It's a shame that The Thing isn't in there. Yeah, but I mean, The Thing... It's, it's I don't want to say it's lesser known ones, because everyone knows Escape from New York and whatever, but even like Big Trouble Little China's not in there. Has the thing been remastered in 4K already? Yeah, uh, you yeah. can get that. I Is think that Arrow do a 4K. There? Yeah, yeah Arrow do a 4K. They're also re-releasing The Evil Dead. Um, so, but, well, that, get, that, that gets played every Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. I think Cineworld are planning a double bill of that. In the yeah, fog. It's, it's that in the fog. Yeah. Which is a weird kind of double bill, but... You've got two 80s horror movies. You may as well set them together. Is it Evil Dead 1 or Evil Dead 2? Evil Dead 1. Evil Dead 1. Man, what's the point? Don't even do I know. <laughs> I like Evil Dead 1. It's the only one I like. And then uh, The Fog. I, I, like, the fog. I like them all, but uh, I would always much rather watch Evil Dead 2. Mm. <clears throat> the Fog as well. Like The Fog is like the definition of just fine. I, I like The Fog. Yeah. It's enjoyable. It's enjoyable. But I think uh, The Fog's one of the 
think The Fog's probably one of the, wor- the first John Carpenter films I saw yeah. when I was very, very young, so I've always got that going for it. Yeah, because you've got, like, like see The Fog and They Live, the concepts of them are very traditional kind of old mm-hmm. horror films, like, you know, The Fog being about a haunted, like, a forest gold, that, yeah, that, a haunted yeah. bay with pirates and that, and, like, They Live looks like when Roddy Piper puts the glasses on, it looks, you can tell it's a so 50s inspired kind of look to it. Is They Live, is it essentially just like an alien invasion movie? Yeah, yeah kind of. Yeah. yeah, but nobody knows about it unless you put the gags on. Right. They're all, they're they're already there, which is the point. Yeah. Yeah. But no, but nobody can see it. Yeah. They're not like lizard people like in V, though, right? They're like, no, they've just they're, no, they're, they're, they're like just got weird, mad faces, knee yeah. skin. Yeah. Are they of. actually aliens, though, or does it just not tell? No, you they're a, they're actually they're aliens. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's nothing ambiguous about it. <clears throat> yeah, you, you get a. Uh, this is what's happening near the end. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, next bit of news uh, Tim Story who if I'm right directed Ride Along and possibly the remake of Taxi uh, is to helm a live action Tom and Jerry film which yeah is going to be Tom and Jerry intera- uh, interacting with real people take like I'll, I'll frame Roger Rabbit so take with that what you will I don't think we need this film uh, the fact that he's doing it is not anything to be excited about either I haven't seen Ride Along, I've seen the trailer for Ride Along that's all I need to see about Ride Along Taxi <clears> had <throat> moments where it was funny well the original, the remake, well, the remake. with Jimmy Fallon, yeah. with Queen Latifah like, moments, <laughs> moments in it were entertaining I just can't get behind a Tom and Jerry where they speak So yeah it was all apart, you know, apart from the you know, Taz but it was all physical comedy yeah. and screams, <laughs> like they, they both screamed a lot they screamed yeah, a lot. but that that's not speaking English language words. Mm-hmm. Plus, Tom had a really, really amusing scream. Uh. <clears throat> um, next piece of news. Uh, <laughs> Idris Elba is in final talks uh, to play the villain in the live-action uh, version of Cats. The Alongside Taylor Swift. <laughs> well, what casting? I've always said she's got this guy. Yeah, yeah. 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 Is Cats Tim Race or is it Andrew it's, Lloyd Webber? It's Andrew Lloyd Webber. Right. So for a time there, they seemed to be the only two people making anything. <laughs> like, it was always one of the. Hmm. Have uh, you any interest in that? No, no. I just thought, I just thought it was interesting. If folk might like Cats, I've never seen it, but you know, folk that like to go to the theater and watch said uh, productions might be interested in a live action film. Like again, because of Team America, like that's all I think about when I think about Same. cats. Yeah, he, <laughs> he was raped. Yeah, <laughs> by is it Mr. Mistopheles? Mr. Mistopheles. <laughs> yeah. Um, just shows you how cultured we are. Yeah. Um, do you remember uh, Chris Evans? Uh, that Cap ginger America. guy from Thank God It's Friday. Big Cap America. No, the other guy. Um, he sent a tweet after wrapping of Avengers uh, well we don't know the title but Avengers Infinity War Part 2 and basically saying that he's loved the role it's a sad day it's emotional and he's glad to leave he's happy to bow out and leave the role which sent the internet into a flutter saying you're spoiling the film you're doing this and are you actually gone he clarified basically saying "Uh, I would have sent the tweet regardless of the outcome of uh, the end of this film uh, I didn't mean to I, it wasn't intended to be a spoiler um, 
and he's like, as far as I'm concerned, it isn't. It was an emotional day. Uh, it's been ten years, and I just wanted to relay my thoughts. But again, yeah, that's that, just... that, <clears throat> this is the internet just being yeah. stupid. That is the like, internet being like, the internet. We were told about two years ago that he was leaving. Yeah. So it's like, and why again, he's get, why he's going? Oh no, he's going to yeah. die. See, folk that are yeah, on the internet. Yeah, probably is going to die. Yeah. But it's... see, the folk that are on the internet and read the internet, they would know that. Yeah. It's like, you you like Marvel films, you're probably going to research a lot of news about Marvel films, so you would have known about this, so why the fuck are you getting your, you know, knickers in a twist when, I mean, it's fairly, he's going to leave eventually, and with Captain Marvel coming along, you're like, yeah, that's the, that's the next yeah. phase. Jeez. Some would say it's phase four. Is this phase four we're into this? No, we will be going into phase four after this. So there you go. Calm down, Internet. But yes, he probably will die in Avengers, probably killing Thanos. That's probably how it's going to end. <clears throat> yes, Internet in general. Calm down. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Brian Singer has <clears throat> took to Instagram to deny upcoming past claims of sexual misconduct. Upcoming past claims? It's, what? When I read that, I was like, what the fuck does that mean? Uh, and then it was like an article by Esquire magazine. Uh, they're going to release an article basically talking about allegations that he had made in the past, or sorry, they'd be made towards him in the past about sexual misconduct. They're bringing it up again. So he is tuned to Instagram to say, basically, they've contacted my friends and family. Um, they've got no integrity. This is this is something that's in the past. This is, you know, basically not news, etc., etc. Okay. So, so there you go. Take from that what you will. Uh, <clears throat> finally, I know Neil won't give a fuck about this, um, Rob Stark, aka Richard Madden, is the front runner to be the new James Bond. Really, I yeah. I have kind of thoughts on this, and that yes, I don't really care that they're doing another James Bond film after this, mm-hmm. but I'm more sad for James Bond fans because Richard Madden's rubbish. Yeah, he's not stand out. Like yeah. he he did the job as Rob Stark. Which was supposed to be like a total vanilla everyman. But everyone, yeah. everyone in Game of Thrones does the job of that. And then you look at like when um, Sansa Stark is in the X Men films, you're like, not very good. Yeah. No, like he was in a program. He uh, was in a program, I think, called, what was it called Bodyguard. That's been getting uh, a lot of fucking. Which was hype. on the BBC recently yeah. and will soon be on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, and I saw bits and pieces just in passing. He's on the other telly, and he's still rubbish. He's so wooden. Yeah, see, that's the thing. I mean, just what Paco said, Kit Harrington. Um, I mean, I I liked um the Spooks film, but he was just. I mean, it could have been MD. Yeah, well, I, if you I, cast the other Orlando Bloom in it, it would have been the same performance. Yeah, the yeah. other thing I've seen in Kit Harrington and is Silent Hill too, and he was awful in that as well. Yeah, so I mean, you're right. He did the job as Rob Stark, but again, I'm like. Right, with the potential of folk like Idris Elba, Henry Cavill, because yeah, yeah. Cavill and Affleck have officially left uh, yeah. Batman and Superman, yeah. so that's the DCU in tatters. Uh, if it, it was already, already in, it was already. If it in. Was, I mean, that is the nail in the coffin. Oh, you say that? Like, well, the there was a there was a story I saw today where James Wan has had to come out and deny that Warner Brothers uh, edited twenty minutes of footage out of his final cut. <laughs> Oh, Aquaman! Just yeah, far better tell you that. Uh, <laughs> we, we kind of the last episode got botched, so 
I'm pretty sure we mentioned it in that, but like James Gunn is now going to be directing Suicide Squad 2. Writing. No, he's writing it. Writing he's it. not attached to the director. Yeah, but I mean, not like, yet, but that's... at least that's actual talent getting put in at DC. Yeah, like, but the uh, thing is, when, like, they're saying he's going to take a fresh, he's allowed, they're basically giving the freedom to take a fresh look at it. We've seen, they've seen what he's done with Guardians of the Galaxy, but at the same time, just what you were saying about James Wan, very, very successful director. However, they are still interfering with what he's doing. And yeah. that, I think, is the message that Warner Brothers do not trust their talent that much. Yeah. They have to interfere with fucking everything because of test yeah, like, screenings. Like, and James, bad. like James Gunn can write that script, but how what much of it's going to be there? Yeah, what actual amount of his writing will be there by the time it goes to filming? Totally. Yeah. It would be nice, though, because, again, I've been saying that, like, again, I mention this, like, every week. Warners did do, or they distributed, like, Blade Runner 2049, and that was a real showing of let the man do his job yeah. and he will make a yeah. fucking great movie. It didn't make money, or not the money they wanted, but still, it shows that if you have the right talent and you have the right amount of trust in them, why not? Yeah, well, they still give, they still give Christopher Nolan car blanche, so. Yeah. Kate Just let him. Cape Blanchett. No, but again, you see, like you're saying, like Marvel does it as well. But Marvel kind of did that thing where it's well, that, like that, that whole thing with Ant Man, Edgar right? Like, uh, yeah, I mean, not so much Marvel, but Disney with the the whole Solo and Rogue One. Like, uh, yeah, no. they interfere constantly. Yeah, but this is what I'll say about like Marvel as well is they took they they take chances on directors to make blockbuster films that wouldn't usually be attached to that yeah. realm. Big, 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 one big, of them. Marvel are able to do that just now, though, because they've reached a point where they can do that. Yeah. They can take that risk because they know people are going to go and watch it. Yeah. DC's still in that position where, okay, get in like good name talent, a good get talent though that has a track record of being good. Mm. Uh, yeah. They they need they need to find stability. They need to find uh, get. A universe going, which is if they're going to, if it's going to be shared, which it is, although some of them, from the looks of it, won't be. Yeah. They've got to make something which is cohesive True. and more the point enjoyable to watch. Yeah, but this is what I'll say in terms of like we've reached that point to to kick to Marvel's Marvel to kickstart their studios hired John Favreau to direct Iron Man, a man who directed Elf, yeah, and. Nothing major in terms of blockbuster, that kind of epic scale. I'll tell you what, and that worked. And actually, also are hiding RDJ based on the trust of Favreau because, again, they didn't want him. And actually, you uh, him we watched Iron Man Christmas. 1 and 2. Oh, did you watch the second one? Yeah. Ooh. When was the last time you watched Iron Man 2? Um, it's been a while, but I always remember friend of the podcast uh, and... Uh, Monster Closet uh, podcaster Lee McPherson saying one of the main problems with Iron Man 2 is Favreau is terrified of having Tony Stark out of that suit and it's so yeah. fucking true but I mean that that's like an actual proponent of his character moving forward though like that's like the whole point Iron Man 3 and stuff and like I'd be uh, like that's the, the events after like Iron Man 2 going back to it is really interesting because it actually has a lot more importance within the whole cinematic universe than it did when it first came out because like a what's his name Mickey Rourke's character of Whiplash. Whiplash like his whole thing is that he is essentially making the Iron Man suit redundant by making drones which is what Iron Man himself done yeah. in Age of Ultron mm-hmm. Uh, like 
all the stuff about it as well, like the, the stolen technology, like Tony having to fucking, you know, swallow a fucking humble pill because he's such a fucking arrogant bastard in that film. I, like, I, the film actually holds up really well. I hear you, but again, yeah. I have a lot, like, the problems I've worried about, Whiplash is not, like, I don't think McEwrit was a good cast for Whiplash. His, his character seems... I think we he, want him to be this, but on, he just doesn't honestly come see, across as it. See, watching it back, like he does the job he's supposed to do. Like he's like he Iron Man two doesn't have any gigantic villain. It doesn't have any real threat. All it is is like a a reason to kind of make Tony Stark more pal- palatable to the general public. But the other thing being is both in the cinema franchise and in. Uh, one of the one of the great things that I kind of felt bad about Iron Man Two was I thought Sam Justin Rockwell Hammer was, was great in it, like as a character. I thought Rockwell was fucking nailed it. He was yeah. really he had some really good comic timing, and I thought he was an interesting you know character. Like, and see the very end fight in Iron Man Two where he just uses that big laser beam and cuts him, and that's I mean, it. And I was no, like, that that bit's cool, and they actually do like kind of play on that as well. Like the the real problem with that bit is like how like when Whiplash shows up, not just the drones. Like they just beat him. It's like you know the fight lasts like ten seconds. Mm. Uh, they they could have maybe have done a bit more with that, and like it kind of falls out that trap of like Iron Man one. The villain was the Ironmonger, who was essentially just like the prototype Iron Man suit. And in Iron Man two, you've got a bunch of drones and Whiplash who shows up in an Iron Man suit. Mm. So it's like kind of sets that precedent for every Iron Man film just being him. Thing is, though, that that. That I blow my mind. I haven't read a lot of Iron Man comics, but uh, I've got um, going through Marvel Unlimited the other week. I was kind of looking at them because I was thinking about starting, and the covers of a lot of those comics is Iron Man fighting guys that look like Iron, Iron Man. Man. Yeah, yeah. Like what I will say is, like I think Iron Man Two is better than people give it credit for. I think that I, I don't think I was amazingly impressed with it when it first came out. But like going back to it now, knowing what you know about where the films go, it makes a lot more sense. It fits into that universe way more than Iron Man 3 does. Okay. Uh, I think it's a better film than Iron Man 3 by a fucking mile. Um, Scarlett Johansson as well, it's her first appearance as Black Widow. And it's really interesting seeing what she was like as a character that was introduced compared to like everything that uh, happened after her in Cap America had a rapport yeah, there's because a bit, like there's, she, she is treated much more like a fucking side character spy in that film there's a bit, yeah. there's a bit in Iron Man 2 where I'm like it was very much a, 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 a part of the times because uh, there's a shot where Tony is coming out and it's a first person point of view of him yeah, yeah. signing yeah, like, yeah. that was totally for 3D because that's when 3D was fucking exploded oh, okay. on it like Avatar mm. be made and everything was in 3D and that one shot was like that is a really fucking weird shot to have, and I was like, "It's because it's 3D." That's what it was intended. I, I I had that watching GI Joe Retaliation last week. Yeah. Oh yeah, we talked about how I watched GI Joe Retaliation in the Lost podcast. I'm not going to go into it again. It's dead good. Get a watch. There we go. Uh, there's a lot of shots in that which are, oh, this came out when 3D was yeah. just getting big. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it came. It went. Hopefully, it doesn't come no, back. No, it's 3D still there. It's not nowhere near as prolific, but it's still there. I think though, like, I, I was always, I was always like a, a kind of advocate for 3D and stuff. Like, I always kind of supported it when folk were kind of nasty in it. Uh, but I think it's actually getting worse as time goes on because, like, when we went to watch Infinity War in the IMAX. Mm. There were moments 
where the 3D made it look like War Machine and Iron Man were cardboard cutouts flying across the screen and made <laughs> it feel like watching an episode of South Park rather than a multi-million pounds, you know, movie. Just when you said cardboard, they're actually seen the, something online where a guy's going to go out as Waluigi, but he's made it as the first incarnation of him, so it's got all the jagged edges and oh, things like that. And I was like, dude, that's pretty pretty good, fucking yeah. good, man. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Seeing the South Park, did, Tommy, did you watch those three episodes? Yes. What did you think of them? Um, the second one is the best one. Uh, See, yeah, I, I thought the third one was the best one. The third the one's Mr. really Hanky good. one. Yeah, it's good because of the whole Brett Kavanaugh thing. Um, yeah. That is cool how they, they, they put that in there. Uh, but yeah, I like it. It's a very, very cynical episode. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the second one where they're just constantly fucking making priest and wee boys jokes is fun as fuck. <laughs> Yeah, it's very good. So, uh, sorry, anyway, so anyway, let's yeah, get, sorry. Let's get uh, how, how many actual movies do we have to talk about? Like, Well, I see... Are we, are we counting everything that we talked about last week? Uh, no, no. I mean, like, we had, like, a small kind of bit about Venom at the start there, like a total... Ah, uh, uh, sorry, yeah. Thing. yeah. Um, uh, you watched First Man? Uh, yeah, I watched... Me and Neil seen First Man. I saw Bad Times at the El Royale. What else? Uh, that's it. Neil? Uh, I, I watched um, a film called Dragon Inn, Good. which is uh, regular re- listeners of the podcast will remember me discussing a film called uh, A Touch of Zen and Legend of the Mountain by Taiwanese director King Hu. This uh, Dragon Inn is one of his earlier efforts um, from what I can gauge in terms of kind of write up about it. It seems that this one, this one is considered like his first kind of masterpiece. Okay. Now, I really, 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 really like Legend of the Mountain and The Touch of Zen. I would go as far to say that they are fantastic pieces of filmmaking. Dragon Inn doesn't live up to them. Uh, It's good. I enjoyed it. But it's uh, very much... (laughs) It feels very much more like a spaghetti western in terms of the pacing of it. The editing of it's horrific. There's like scenes will start uh, and then they just cut off and there's no resolution mm. and it seems like it's taking a bit of a jump in time. Does it feel uh, at all like that might be an intentional choice? Like, is it maybe trying to... No, I, that, I, th- I just think I think it's... Uh, like this film... Let me see, I've got them. The free blue is for me. Like, Dragon Inn was made... Let me see... 1967. So the jump to 1979 uh, and 1974 both touches in and Legend of the Mountain. There's generational leaps in filmmaking in that right. I, I just feel that Dragon Inn is maybe that's how they made films in because mm-hmm. uh, a lot of let's forget westerns do that where you get it's very hard fast edits that it's almost like scenes lurch into each other mm-hmm. um, but the it, it's got a lot of the same cast of the other two and they're all they're all really good at what they do um, it's a very the style of acting is very specific to uh, that kind of genre of cinema it's that wushu uh, again, the kind of um, what's the way to describe it wushu, it's a 
it's a kind of stylized, highly choreographed martial arts. Oh, right, okay. Uh, kind of like your Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, a lot of that. Wirework. Like, Wirework kind of stuff. Mm. Uh, that is a massive turn-off what? for me. Yeah. All right, I was going to say, yeah. stank face on Tommy. I, uh, nah, like, I, I, yeah, I'm the same. I, I don't but, like that. But there isn't that, for being that genre, all three of them being that genre, there isn't a lot of that in it. Yeah. It's more about the characters and the kind of build up of uh, the narrative. So yeah, I enjoyed it. It's still good, but it's not as good as the other two. Okay. Do you have any more Asian cinema stuff lined up? Um, not yet, actually. Uh, I've been really thinking about watching the Raid and the Raid Two again. Fuck yeah, that's a good. That's Could a good you, you you are like not like amazingly at your anime, but you are susceptible to it, right? Uh, I I like I do enjoy anime. It just is. It needs to grab me within an episode. Within one episode, right? That might maybe be two. With this one, I'm going to recommend. But like, have you heard of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure? I have heard of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Have you watched any of it? I haven't watched any of it. No. It, is a particular brand of fucking lunacy that I think would resonate well with you. Alright. Uh, and I want uh, somebody to talk about would it. I, would I need to buy a Crunchyroll for that? I, I watch it on Crunchyroll. Like, I'm not sure where else you could get it, but as we kind of alluded to earlier in the show, man, it's 2018 and yeah, yeah, downloading well, stuff uh, yeah, is kind of yeah, easy. Everything's uh, there. Uh. <laughs> we, need, we need a code. Okay, yeah, I, I would be... I would be open to that. Uh, do you know what the, the kind of story for it is? No. I remember there was a video game of it. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a, a fight, fight, fight game. game. Yeah. So, yeah. like, the, the first season of it, like, every season follows a, a different protagonist from the same right. family. Like, everyone is, like, one generation down the line of this family. Yeah. Uh, and they've always got, like, the, the kind of name of always abbreviates to Jojo. So, the first right. one. The guy's name is Joseph Juster, and it is set. It's a, a Japanese-made anime, but it is set in Victorian era England. Right, okay. So it's it's their idea of what yeah. life in England would be like. So everybody is like fucking hyper buff, like they've got muscles on their muscles. Like uh, it's just really funny. Like they they can all play rugby and stuff, and a uh, it's just. All the characters are ridiculous. Everything about it is ridiculous. So right. the the main story is about like uh, a guy who is like from a well-to-do family where they witness like a, an accident happen, and this kid mm-hmm. gets orphaned. Uh, but the kid is like a total little fucking evil shit. He's just an asshole. But like the dad doesn't know it. Like jo- uh, Joseph's dad doesn't know it. So like he adopts him, and uh, it's all about Joseph having to deal with this fucking stepbrother who is like now living with him, who's a fucking complete prick. But like mm-hmm. it goes on like that for about six episodes, which is just like a competition between the two of them to kind of outdo each other. It's like right. this this infiltrator is like kind of winning over his dad's affections and stuff, but being evil at the same time. Like he puts uh, Joseph's dog in an oven and kills it. <laughs> and, uh, like gets away with it and stuff. Like Joseph knows it's happened, but the dad doesn't believe it and stuff. And like eventually he actually kills the dad. Uh, right, or, but you know like, that kind of steps things off. But like the the kind of the movie, the sorry, the TV show, like it changes what it's about. Like every five or six episodes, so like what starts okay. off is this kind of just 
basic rivalry between these two stepbrothers becomes a story where one of the step the evil stepbrother becomes a vampire, uh, <laughs> and to combat that, the one who's the good guy decides to learn martial arts to be able mm-hmm. to fight the vampire and it becomes like this kind of immortal battle between a guy who's like a master of had-on energy and this vampire and then like the the second season kind of sees it kind of move to New York and it's Joseph's uh, grandson like it skips two generations in this mm-hmm. one like dealing with a bunch of monks who have kind of uncovered the progenitors of the vampire masks and stuff it's just it's right. absolutely batshit insane Okay, like yeah, I'll check that. That sounds alright. It's really good. Like, it's like the, la- the, la- the last anime that I watched, which I really enjoyed, was One Punch, One Punch Man. Man. Yeah, that, that was a great show. One, One Punch Man is like uh, taking the piss out of this style of anime. Yeah, uh, uh, and, and then really, I think really doesn't the, make this any less enjoyable though. Yeah, uh, mm. I think the the one that watched before that, which I really enjoyed. Uh, I tried watching Gurren Lagann. Yeah, I didn't. I lasted like two episodes on that. That's more than but, I managed with that one. Yeah, but before that, I'd watched Kill the Kill, and I really enjoyed that. It was so stupid. See, if uh, we, we've been talking for a while about me watching Evangelion as well, and we totally need yes, to do that. Yeah, like I'm, if, still, I'm still up for that. Yeah, if you're looking for something that is kind of like Evangelion, uh, but isn't that there's an anime on Netflix called Kuromokuro. Okay. Uh, it's really similar like it's like giant robots fighting in an alien invasion um, it's really good it's worth watching there are only two seasons I, of it I, really I saw there was, a, there was a new Gundam thing on Netflix yeah. I was maybe going to try jumping into that apparently it's inaccessible inaccessible yeah it's like completely just they don't hold your hand through it they don't like introduce stuff and like right. I mean, it's it's good to onboard you. Like they just fucking jump, dive you in the deep end. Yeah, see that that was my fear yeah. of it. Is that there's been so much Gundam yeah. that I couldn't. Uh, there is another one though that came out on Netflix really recently called Dragon Pilot, which is supposed to be really good as well. It's like a kind of military a uh, air combat anime, but okay. the the planes are actually dragons with an armor that makes them look like planes. Like well, the, like Panzer Dragoon, kinda, kinda. But like, I mean, right. they, they literally look like F 22s and stuff like that. Like, you wouldn't know it was a dragon when you're right. flying around. But then when it lands, it kind of spreads out and it's actually a dragon. Uh, yeah. And the the art style for it's like quite cutesy, but like the anime itself is quite a serious anime. It's right. It's I've well, not watched it yet, but it's on my my kind of wish uh, list. Uh, so that was the anime minute. Uh, yeah. Uh, anything to add to that, Tommy? <laughs> I hope you all enjoyed that anime minute, man. You saw a cartoon once. Yeah, I, I I am not that versed in anime. It's only recently, over the last couple of years, I can tolerate it. Also, Attack on Titan remains amazing. But yeah, on. but it's that way. It's it's cool, man. Because you haven't seen any films this week, so you got a lot to. I watched Iron Man about. one and two. That's and Venom. that is a fair point. He watched Iron Man one and two. You never been to the cinema this week. There we go. There we go. What watching things on Netflix is probably just as good when it comes to back. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's in his controlled environment. I'm actually surprised I watched the entirety of Iron Man 2 because I only stuck it on just out of kind of curiosity while I was eating dinner and then I just watched the entire thing. Cool. Um, Honestly, man, go back and watch it. Like, it's on Netflix now. It actually holds up probably better than you remember. There's a few, but I need to see what's been recently added to Netflix. Um, I need something new. Well, fuck, I need to watch Iron Fist Season 2. Because Daredevil's yeah. Friday, um, I'm going to watch that one everyone's talking about. Um, House on 
Is it Haunted Hill? Uh, yeah. Haunted Hill, yeah. yeah. I, I that. Friend, watch- friend of the podcast, Andrew Connor, is watching that right now. Shout out yeah. to him. Cool. Um, I, again, I, I don't know, I just like, because Halloween is, is coming up and we're watching all the Halloween's, I, I binged watched like two seasons of American Horror Story. Man, that's fucking trash, that, sh- that show. I mean, it's horrible trash. S- some of it, yeah, some of it. Like, um, the one I, I binged watched one that was a uh, cult. Which is get it gets kind of political. It's a lot of kind of like Trump's America kind of thing. But it, it like in true American horror story fashion, Ryan Murphy starts something and then cut. It's like it's like he's someone put this online. It's absolutely correct. It's like a picture of a horse where it starts off looking good and then just a bunch of scribbles at the end. <laughs> and you're like, that's Ryan Murphy trying to finish a series because and focus his ideas because he fucking he's incapable of it. It starts off really interesting and then just goes all fucking nuts and you're like. Why it's that? like Alex Garland trying to end the film. Yeah. Well, to be to to be fair, ex Machina, he he got that one right. Um. So uh, yeah. So I'll talk about bad times at the El Royale because I went and seen it. Yeah. So bad times at El Royale is written and directed by Drew Goddard, and it's got Jeff Bridges, Chris Hemsworth, John Hamm, uh, Dakota Fat, not Dakota Fanning, Dakota Richards of Fifty Shades of Grey fame. Dakota Johnson. Sorry, Dakota Johnson. Who the fuck's Dakota Richards? I don't know. You just made that up. I don't know. No, Dakota Richards was the wee lassie that was in uh, the Golden Compass. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, and a few other folk are in it as well. Uh, I think um, Nick Offerman, I think, is in it as well. See, just because you said this, though, mm-hmm. I need to ask, has Dakota Fanning actually done anything recently? Yeah, she was in Neon Demon. I mean, that's not recent. No, that was Elle Fanning, was it not? Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, that was El Fanning. Uh, I don't know. The last thing, time I see her was, I think, the Twilight films. She was in them. Yeah, she was part of the Volturi. I think that's what. It yeah, was. she's yeah. in like the last two. Yeah. She was in a TV show called Taken that was produced by Steven Spielberg. Okay, and she was actually quite. Oh, about aliens. Yeah. Uh, I remember that. And then, you know, big Liam Neeson picks up the phone. He's like, oh, <laughs> "Fucking, you took my daughter. Which, you actually, son of a bitch. That it's there." Yeah, there it is. Uh, yeah. The viewers can't see it, but Paco's holding up the box set to Neil. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, back when Steven Spielberg used to make things that were interesting. Um, so, Bad Times at El Royale. So, basically, you've got all these characters that go to this uh, motel, the El Royale, and it's a by, it's a, it's a bi-state hotel where part of it's in uh, California, the other part of it's in Nevada. Um, it's a nice does week. that does that come into play narratively? No, it is a total gimmick. <sighs> it's so there's not like something where it's, like it starts off as it's kind of a joke. It's kind of a joke thing, but it doesn't really come into play. See, uh, I, I thought that would, it would come into play kind of at the end because it's a crime film. It'd come down to like jurisdiction or something no, like that. No, no, no. The, the film is very much contained at the hotel, and everything right. that happens at the hotel is amongst the characters and from their perspectives. Um, on on a, how does it rank in the hotel movies? Is it better than Identity? Yes. Is it better than va- Vacant? Vacancy, yes, Vacancy, absolutely. Um, basically, this is what I'll say. This is Drew Goddard's Pulp Fiction. Yeah, well, you can get that from the trailer. Yeah. Um, it is very well paced, uh, and again, like like Pulp Fiction, it t- it kind of the story comes from. Different parts of the story are introduced from people's perspectives. It's it's kind of told in a chapter setting as well, where it's like room one, room two, and it talks about the characters in there and their backstory and how they've actually came to the El Royale. 
Um, so what is it does it also muck about with the chronology of the timeline as well? A couple of times, yeah. Um, not not as much, but it it like it does like it'll introduce you to a character and then later on it tells you why they're there and who they're who they're involved with, etc. And then it has like incidents that happen but from different people's perspectives so seen does it, it because to forward the plot of what what's actually going on. Right, so it does all come together as like one cohesive thing. It's not like yeah, oh yeah, no no, it's stories. it's not it's not confusing. Um it's 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 very well paced, but I will say that the third act I felt kind of dragged a wee bit, and the film is nearly—it's like two and a half hours long, nearly. So it's kind of, yeah, like that's like. See, that was my reaction. You know, I didn't realize how long it was, and then, for the type of film it is, that's about a hike. I agree. Um, I think it's like it's nearly two and a half hours long, um, and it's um, yeah, it's a very entertaining, uh, enjoyable film. It's. Got that kind of if MD's seen The Martian or any of Drew Goddard's stuff, it's got that. He's from the not so much. He's like Joss Whedon's protege, but he's not. It's you have just turned me off of this film. But like, it's not as it's me? not as quippy as Joss Whedon. Right. It's got that kind of quirky kind of like fun dialogue. Um, again, some of it feels is it, like, it hmm? does the dialogue feel like he's aping Tarantino? Yes, in the set in the sense that. His characters talk the way that people do not talk uh, no. in real life. Uh, no, not really. No, it doesn't feel like Quentin Tarantino's dialogue where it's just him talking, but it's always our characters doing this, talking. Right. Do I they ruin every moment of tension with a fucking shitty one liner? No, no, right. they don't. Um, there's some really nice wee bits of drama in it. Um, there's a lot of kind of unexpected things, but to talk about Tarantino, like Drew Goddard, this is his Tarantino film. No, no question about it. He's watched. <laughs> Pulp Fiction and like Reservoir Dogs and things like that and he, this is his version of it. Um, I thought it was very entertaining. Uh, the soundtrack was really good. Everyone's really good in it. Even um, Fifty Shades of Grey who I think is a bit of a charisma vacuum. Oh um, she is. She totally yeah. is. Uh, John Hamm I think is the standout in it. I think he's excellent in this film. What about Hemsworth? Hemsworth is fine. Um, his, his character I would say is the most if I was to say crappily written, it, it's I don't I think he's the the weakest character in it. Right. If, if well, apart from apart from Fifty Shades, does this actually manage to be like a proper ensemble piece, or is it like a Jeff Bridges movie? Because like the trailer, no, it's like... it's a proper ensemble piece. Right. Jeff Bridges is good in it, but it's this this film is not about one star. This is about everyone. Like the, the the trailer right. seemed to pay him more attention, I think, than any other character. I think he's he's not him and Hemsworth are the big and Ham, I suppose, are the biggest names in it. Um. But yeah, I thought it was uh, the soundtrack was excellent. Um, the as I said, yeah, so it's all like kind of sixties soul and Motown. Yeah, because it's all set in the it's set. I think it's a nineteen seventy or the late sixties. Um, but yeah, like I, I, there's not really much more to say. It's a very it's the only my only thing as I said was it feels like the third act drags a wee bit, but ultimately it is a very entertaining night in the cinema. It's funny. Um, it's got some nice storytelling, some uh, good characters. Yeah. I mean, it's like I said, he's from the Joss Whedon school of thought, so there's some bits in it that would annoy you if if you do get annoyed by some of Joss Whedon's wee traits. But no, ultimately, I thought it was. I I was surprised. I thought it was going to be good. I you watched the trailer. I was like, I know what I'm getting from this. I I think I enjoyed it more than what I thought it was gonna. I thought it was just gonna be all right. I actually thought it was very very good. Cool. So that was uh, bad times at the Royal. Check it out. Um, it'll probably be gone by next week. If I was only going to watch one film 
and it was between El Royale and First Man. What film would I enjoy more? First Man. Yeah. Probably Royal, oh, first, I, first Man is potentially the best film I have seen this year. Um, for your personal taste, um, I think you'll like First Man. You might find some of it a wee bit stoic and boring. Um, but I would have to agree with Neil. Out of the two of them, First Man is the better film. I mean, you can't really compare them because they're so bloody different from each other. I think you would enjoy both um, I'll say El Royale, but I usually say First Man because it's about space and that, and you like space and that. But it's not about space. I know it's not about space, but it's, it's it concerns astronauts and spaceships. But, and I mean, that, Neil's, and Neil's hitting it in the head here, though, man. It's like, this is my concern with First Man. It's why I'm not that interested in it. Because, like, yeah, I like astronomy and I like science. I'm not big in biopics, and this looks it's, like it's a movie about Neil Armstrong. Well, which I don't the, this is why about. I think El Royale might be for yeah. your taste. But yes, uh, me and Neil went and seen First Man, um, and Neil's description of it there is very accurate. It's excellent. Yeah. It's an excellent it's, film. It's a fantastic piece of filmmaking. Yeah. Who directed this? Damien Chazelle. Damien Chazelle. La Land and Whiplash. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's from the moment it opens, it's intense. Yes. And you can feel that tension. Oh, as as it as that progress as that scene progresses, mm-hmm. and then it just it kicks you in the balls. Mm-hmm. Do you know what? And, See, because it's that director, I'm going to go watch that film. Because yeah, I think you'll enjoy it, man. I it's fantastic. It. He made me end up liking a musical, which is not an easy thing to do. Like La La Land was actually a really good film. Yeah, da- so, da- Damien Chazelle is easily the most exciting young director in Hollywood. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, no, sorry yeah. because. Uh, right, Tom, if you want to a quick synopsis. Okay, so yeah, no, it's, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, basically, um, first man. Yeah, first man is about um, Neil Armstrong, the first man that walked on the moon, and it's basically about the space program of getting to that point in time but it's but not, it's not it's, about that it's at not, all yeah it's not really about that if anything that is the MacGuffin of the film yeah the, the film me. the film is really about a father's grief and mm. um, it is not your cook it's not your kind of cookie cutter biopic which it could be um it is very much about a man who is dealing with loss and at the same time it's kind of what drives him, but also mm-hmm. holds him back from moving on. Um, it's also, I mean, something you appreciate about it is the fact that, like, there's this is about a group of people who are astronauts and their friends and their neighbors, and then because of the many space missions that went wrong, many folk died uh, mm-hmm. to to get there. And again, that punches you right in the fucking balls. But again, Chazelle does really. He does a really great thing, but I love it. It's so kind of subdued, and Gosling is really good in it because he gives kind of a, a subdued performance about a man who is like teetering on the edge. Yeah. Uh, Claire Foy. He's so, he's so stoic the yeah. whole way through it. But there's little quirks where like he gets yeah. like, bad news, and then, you know, he's on the phone and you're looking at his face and you know there's grief. But then yeah, the, cam- it's, it's... the camera pans down and he's actually smashed a glass in his hand and he's yeah. not even realised it till he's looked down. Little, it's it's, it's kind of how it, it's really good at showing you how he internalizes absolutely everything. Yeah, 
Yeah. And to the point where it's just simmering underneath yeah. that there's every chance that this guy will go off his raj. Yeah. But because he has this, he, he's in this program to get to the moon, mm-hmm. that he has something to drive him forward to keep on, yeah. almost to seek a kind of redemption from it. Yeah. Now you've got that kind of emotional punch, which is really, really fucking well done and really well done, yeah. I might add as well. But with that, like what Neil was saying, some of the like the very first scene of the film, anytime Gosling is in a cockpit, it is fucking intense. Like you feel yeah. every moment, and you know, just, yeah, Neil Armstrong eventually so claustrophobic. went to Yeah, you're like, yeah, he eventually went to the moon, but there's times where you lose that, and you're like, fuck, how is he going to fix this problem? Yeah. You know, he's like, shit, something's went right, but then something has gone wrong, and there needs to be a lot of thinking at the time. There's like, oh shit, the power's out. Well, fuck, I need to. We need to work the problem. That kind of thing. And that is all excellent as well. How how much does it kind of wallow in really kind of cinematic shots of space and stuff like that? Like, does it not do- not not too much. It yeah. it doesn't really wallow in them. Like, I what I found about certainly the editing in Chazelle's direction is that nothing seems wasteful. Yeah, like there's you get there's a couple of shots like. Um, there's kind of stuff midway through when they go on the mission to to be the first to be able to dock mm-hmm. uh, a, a lunar pod to another lunar pod um, where a lot of that is them trying to look into the darkness of space mm-hmm. and it is just black mm-hmm. because they've gone round the dark side of uh, where they've gone round the dark side of Earth mm-hmm. so you can't, they can't actually see this other pod yeah. So there's a lot of kind of shots of them looking out and trying to see, mm-hmm. but it's, that's done much like much like uh, kind of the scene in Halloween where Michael Myers just appears out of the darkness. Yeah, it's that kind of image of you, them just coming to see this thing. Yeah, like, it's, it's there's kind of a lot of stuff like that, and it's yeah. the scene that he was talking about. Sorry, well put together. Yeah, is that scene alone? All you get for most of that, uh, most of the, see the, the the actual takeoff, it's just them in there. You don't really get any external shots. Only, yeah. And it only it only really you only really know that they're in space yeah. is when it's... the shaking stops, and then you just see some stuff come over the visor, and you see like a pen floating. Do you and feel like that's yeah. like an intentional? Absolutely. Okay, absolutely. Yeah, not, oh, not totally. Because like yeah. it, yeah. it's not because the film it's a, it's like we're saying the film isn't about. The mechanics of going to space. Yeah. It's about what these these, well, specifically Armstrong, but also like kind of the people within his periphery. His how how they're experiencing it, mm-hmm. the experience of of going on this kind of epic adventure, and how terrifying it is. Because mm-hmm. it's what because it like, it's two guys sitting in this tiny pod, and you've got like inches of metal. Between them and space, mm. and they're go and like when they're being shot into space, this thing feels like it, it looks like, and because of the way the sound design is, and the way it's filmed, where it's all such tight, close knit, it feels like this thing should fall apart. Yeah. It's, it's there's like there's a bit you, you kind of feel it along with them to a certain degree. Yeah, there's a bit in it um, when they're actually going 
on the Apollo 11 mission and it reminded me a lot of um, 2001 A Space Odyssey when the, sh- the, the camera's just on Bowman and it's shaking and you're seeing these like cards uh, go by and I'm like, yeah. yeah, a lot of it's that. It's not like, here's a wide shot of space and there's that yeah. and there's this. It's, it's, very, it's it, not it, doing the whole gravity or sunshine. It stays, you, it, you stay with the astronauts the whole time. Yeah. You know what I mean? It the, doesn't the, take you out of it. The other amazing thing about how this film's put together uh, is that it's filmed with three different lenses in film stocks, um, like the start at the start, it's a it's a very kind of grainy, old-fashioned kind of um, what's sort of like kind of handheld kind of uh, old-fashioned kind of video camera, you know, the kind of that brownie kind of super eight mm-hmm. kind of look. Yeah. And then as time progresses on, uh, it becomes a bit of a wider shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's kind of cleaned up a wee bit. See, by the time that they're going to the moon, that was all filmed in IMAX, so that's specifically designed for IMAX, and it's it's such a grand scale yeah, right. that it <clears throat> gives uh, it really gives kind of gravitas to what you're watching. Yeah, I mean that's the other thing as well. I mean, like after I came out of the film, uh, as usually do, you know, read the Wikipedia page and read some opinions. And see the amount of like negative backlash this film's getting because they don't yeah. they don't show yeah, Armstrong stupid, and Alden planting the flag. And I'm like, yeah, the even film even isn't though about that. even though there is after he's gone after he's had his wee walk, there is a shot where you see the lander in the back and Armstrong's kind of at the front, and there's a flag there. Yeah, yeah. There's always some like I can't remember who it was that said this to us. Like there's one of the controversies as well was that they didn't have American flags on their uniforms. But again, I've not looked into this. So I don't know if it's actually true or not. But like they didn't have flags on the uniforms in real life. Uh, again, so. I I never read that. But again, it, like what Neil's saying, see the sheer the, the fact that they planted an American flag on the moon is not. I mean, it's one st- small step for man, one journey for mankind. Not just. Americans, I know it was a great achievement, but at the same know, time, it's it, like it's, this is this it's is about, a, a right wing idiot. So that are yeah, because when about this, when does Stanley Kubrick come into the story? <laughs> hey, <laughs> that this makes Kubrick's moon landing look like dog shit. Yeah, it was. Um, it is really like even when Gosling first walks on the moon, you as a person just feel that achievement uh, in humanity and everything he's been through, and again, the emotional punch of a man dealing with grief. You get the yeah. beautiful shot of him just walking about on the moon. I'm not going to say what happens, but yeah. it's, a, it's a bit of a tear jerker. I was like, that was really fucking good, man. They, they, kept, they kept that, and mm. I kind of I see when I was watching it. You'll see when he does the thing on the thing. I can yeah. I guessed it. They just, don't show you. Well, I was like, yeah. I think he does it. Is this what playing golf? No, <laughs> you don't no. see that actually. You don't see him playing golf. It's as see, I said, I, I don't want to say it because it's kinda, a great the, moment. The, the the thing you're talking about, I kind of. Saw that being foreshadowed earlier on. Can I ask you a question? A, a strange question. Like, I mean, it's absolutely no bearing on the film. Uh, but like, did they ever mention just about how troublesome dust is on the moon? No, and um, because again, the first... no, but they they talk about the moon surface being like a fine dust. Yeah, yeah. Because like, I think it's like one of the biggest problems for like designing the spaces because like it used to like 
basically just corrode away the suit and stuff like that, like really yeah. quickly. There's things but, that happen. But again, that's not what the film's about. Yeah, so. but even even the process of when they're gonna when they come back, they have to be in quarantine for X amount of days. Yeah, and they have to yeah, do this yeah. that. It's stuff I never even thought about. Well, I'm like, yeah, it makes sense. They just fucking landed somewhere. Yeah, they don't have no expect. idea. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I was like, that's fucking. In the back of my head, I'm like, of course, but I never thought about it at the time. What I what I liked about it as well is that it kind of gave me a kind of realization that you know that Neil Armstrong's first man in the moon, you know that Buzz Aldrin was the second man, but it made me realize just how little I actually knew about these guys. Yeah, um, going in, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so it was quite good to get that kind of. Kind of broader kind of feeling for them as people, yeah. Rather than just kind of figures in history, yeah. Well, like, I quite I quite liked how Buzz Aldrin was just a dick. Yeah, he's a dick. Well, I mean that's it's kind of came true to life. Yeah. You, no, uh, but from the word go, he's he's very open in line. He's yeah, an yeah. utter arsehole. Yeah, he's like, I'm just saying, I'm just saying though, and then Armstrong's like, well, why just don't? I mean, like every single thing I've seen about Buzz Aldrin, like a in real life. Ever since you know the the moon landing stuff has just him been a, a, a complete cockhead. Like I mean, I didn't really know much about it. Either. He also ruined the end of Mass Effect Three, but that's a different story. I mean, well, <laughs> I, I, okay, uh, again, I agree with you on that one. Really, Wikipedia, the storylines of all three of those games yesterday. Um, again, just little things about like you think, oh. Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin, and they were they were specifically going to be the guys, and you're like, no nah, man, they're just a, yeah, they're a long line of folk yeah. who were going to be the guy, but they they fucking died. Yeah, but yeah, it was. Um, it's a great film. Does it, is, it does it focus much on like the actual kind of whole space race aspect? Yeah, of the a wee bit. Yeah, there, there is there is elements about that of that. Yeah, yeah, it's the whole idea. The Soviets have beat them a lot, so they're now going to be like, right, well, yeah. we need to fucking beat them to the moon, and we got to start all over, kind of thing. And there's various things about that, but again, when it, they actually touched down on the moon, did you instantly think of Dumb and Dumber? No, I didn't. I didn't. I was again. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes when I see something in a film, and my brain just switches to that, just and I might, I kind of laugh to myself. But I was so fucking involved in this film that I was yeah. laser focused on what was going on. Right. And it's uh, it's the duration's fine I mean at no point I was never bored I was completely with it yeah it's a really breezy two and a half hours yeah hey, like I know for a fact you... two and a half hours it totally didn't it's like it's like 221 or something like you, that you didn't watch a La La Land I know that much like, I, I don't think I don't think you did either O'Neill right no but I'm actually going to yeah, go back I was going to say man like yeah. you should probably go watch it I, I mean, I, I rewatched uh, like a couple of months ago. I rewatched Whiplash, and I was like, "That film is a fucking modern classic. It's yeah. so fucking good." So well, we'll see. Like, I completely recommend La La Land. Like, do not let the first five minutes of that film color your thoughts for the rest of the movie, because like the first five minutes is exactly how bad you expect it to be. <laughs> it it starts off feeling like a cheap Gap advert. Ah. Uh, but like the movie itself uh, gets better, and like I, I think you're on the same level as as I'm, Neil. But like I've never been particularly fond of jazz. No, um, I love jazz. Do you? Right, yeah, fair enough. Then, I love but like, jazz. I, I mean, this this for me was like a, a movie I had no interest <laughs> you in. You laughed at you? No, I'm not laughing at you. I'm not. I'm, I'm, la- I'm, <laughs> I'm laughing. I'm laughing at Duke Silver <laughs> to finish the fucking thought. <laughs> right, okay. Like this movie made me like interested in jazz because of how passionate uh, Ryan Gosling 
is about it like they completely kind of wrap you up in that kind of enthusiasm for it it's a good movie that well and is a brilliant film with terrible songs yeah, sorry <laughs> I'm trying to think of Duke Silver's album can't fucking think about it um, do you remember who Duke Silver is? I mean I know it's Nick Offerman Nick, Nick Offerman's alter ego in uh, Parks and Rec he's a jazz musician yeah. but he does he says something fucking cool like it's he's like it's a cold night but I'm going to warm you all up with my jazz and stuff like that or I'm going to come at you does he not like he, jazz, sees, he, he sees somebody from work and just says no one will ever believe you or something yeah, yeah. I guess uh, I think he found out about it yeah <laughs> Oh man, I might rewatch Parks and Rec for like the fiftieth time. I didn't realize. Like, I'm pretty sure you had told us when you started watching it. I didn't realize that there were so many of the Simpsons people were involved in Parks and Rec. But see when Good it was Simpsons po- as well. When it was pointed out, man, like all the kind of town hall scenes make mm-hmm. so much more sense. Now. Uh, yeah, it's always the same characters having a go. It's, yeah, it's so there's so many good fucking jokes that. And did I? Do you know the? <laughs> there's a really good bit where one of the writers is like, "The best joke in this show was ad libbed by Chris Pratt," and it's the bit where he's like, "Oh, Leslie, you're ill. I, I typed your I typed your symptoms into the computer. And it says you may have network connectivity problems." <laughs> and then he says, "When he said that, it made me laugh, but it infuriated me. <laughs> As a writer, I was infuriated at how good that line was. And I was like, that's fucking great, man. But yeah." Uh, I think that is that's us for this week, boys. Um, we're gonna the Halloween a thon. Uh, we're gonna do that Sunday, so hopefully maybe have it on Monday or Tuesday next week. Um, featuring me, Neil, and a mystery guest. It's our mate Jason. It is. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a quick mystery. Um, if he can get his dog watched. Yeah, we'll wait and see how that goes. Uh, we'll wait and see how that goes. Uh, but yeah, so join us for that. Uh, me and Neil are going to watch John Carpenter at the weekend. Uh, just, you're just going to look at him? You're just gonna look at we're John just going to go gaze at him and just, you know, enjoy his music. Ask him uh, what he means I... in Destiny. What are you saying? Never mind. All right. Never. Have I just ruined it, Neil? Did I just take the wind at your sails there? No, no. Yeah, um, but yeah, we're gonna go watch him in concert. We'll have seen Halloween at that point as well, uh, and that will be featured in the Halloweenathon. Uh, next week, I think it's Bohemian Rhapsody is the big one. Oh yeah. yeah. So there'll be, yeah, there'll be, there'll be other yes. stuff other than. No, I think there is, there is something else. I'm sure. Yeah, but yeah, so plenty, plenty. I'm, go- I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go watch Smallfoot. I want to see what's what's up with these. It's no men. I've been told it's very enjoyable. Very entertaining. Uh, I like the trailer. Mm. Uh, I'm gonna go see that. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So I'm gonna like. I realized. Well, I say realized. Like I got told off a our friend Lee, who uh, works at the GFT, does the Monster Closet podcast. Mm. Uh, that's at Monster Closet PC on Twitter. Uh, that they actually showed one of my favorite animes in the fucking GFT, and I was it, it man. Cyber City? Are it we doing it? It was. I. I saw that that was on man, and I thought I could go to that I had no idea and, and I missed it so yeah. now I'm going to look up the GFT thing to make sure I'm not missing anything else it's fucking amazing that well, I could have got a chance to see the cinema well, if you can uh, I think it's still Park Chan Wook season so they're what, they've got the Vengeance trilogy I don't know if they've got the Handmaiden on yet but if you can you should watch, watch that. that it's fucking excellent yeah. it was one of my favourite movies of that year it was my yeah, favourite movie ha- of the year the Handmaiden was my favourite movie of that Actually, year it was my favourite movie of the year and then Blade Runner happened <laughs> So oh yeah, that was Blade Runner. Yeah. So okay. That was this right. year then. Last year, Blade Runner last year. Was Blade Runner last year. Fuck me. As I think the Handmaid was. I'm sure it was 2017. I think it was released in 2016. It was, it was released in 2016, but we got it January, early in the year. Yeah. 
But yeah. So there'll be plenty to talk about. We got, you can get us at Raptors Podcast on Twitter. Uh, at Scorch808 is Neil on Twitter. I'm at Vast Destruction. And Paco's at PacoRUK. You can get us on Facebook. Uh, you can get us on iTunes, the SoundCloud. It's all there. If you want written reviews, like go to Mogul Mania, go to Mogul uh, Mania. Film Odyssey on Facebook. Yep. Uh, if you like video game stuff, Monster Closet Podcast on Twitter, Monster Closet PC even. Uh, for other Scottish uh, cinematic podcasts, you've got Alan Kerr, former Raptor, doing cinematic for the people with our friend Andrew Caddick. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you like biscuits, get a Jaffa cake. They're dead good. Indeed. Shut no, up. It isn't. Uh, our, our I'm not, I'm not, this is not the podcast. This is not the podcast to have this discussion, Tommy. Also, <laughs> since we started the podcast back up again a couple of months back, we have now passed... One th- we're approaching 1,100 listens to oh, wow. our media. We milestone. Uh, some big thanks to the people who kept listening, like uh, Andy McEwen, you're our top listener. Uh-huh. Uh, well, uh, I forgot the other guy's name, Neil. This is terrible. Ian, so, Ian Furman. Ian Furman, yeah. yeah. And uh, Jamie. Jamie Foreman, yeah. Like, uh, and Lee, and Craig, and all the ra- random yeah, yeah. folk in Amsterdam, Canada. Here, that Amsterdam was a one off. Like, uh, okay. they, they all listen for one week and one week only. Like, the true <laughs> heroes here are America and Canada. Oh. Like, uh, thanks, guys. I'm yeah. guessing hey. it's just a novel. I, I, would, I would really love to know what kind of people in America and Canada are listening to us. Well, I'll tell you and what. what and what it is I think that, though, like, they, uh, that they get out of the show. Do you know? Do you know I'm is, it the sli- is it the slice of life? Yeah, I think it's a Scottish accent. Like, America and Canada, particularly all the countries in the world, I think have more of a kind of just curiosity about Scotland. So I would like to think that our informed and erudite opinions on movies and general, you know, like natural friendship that we've built up over the course of like, at this point, a decade and a half, and known each other is is what's bringing them back. But a... the Scottish accents, I would imagine, probably help. Also, uh, hopefully our listeners in... It might be that, but our listeners in Canada hopefully may increase now that they've legalised marijuana and uh, are yeah, the biggest country yeah, to do it. So I'm like, hey man, same. blaze up and listen yeah. to Raptors. So like the, the other interesting thing... <laughs> it's what I do. <laughs> you <laughs> contribute. Uh, we've, we've now been listened to by... Send me bar tarps, Canadians. 49 separate countries have listened to us. Sweet. Yeah. Which is pretty mental. We still don't get paid to do this story. We still don't. We're never going to get paid to do this story. Ah. Get that thought out of your head. Oh, man. <laughs> I dreamed a dream, but now the dream is gone. Oof. <laughs> Big King Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. Or, or, or as he's known as Morpheus. Morpheus. <laughs> <laughs> I think you know that's why he said that. Yeah, right? that's it's a religious thing. Yeah, King Nebuchadnezzar of the Bible. Yeah. Of the Bible's fame. Of the Bible. Like, that's what you named the ship, though, as well. That was yeah, yeah. That's what he said. Well, I was in Mexico... Um, you met Morpheus? I turned up. <laughs> you met a random girl no, offered him pills? <laughs> I don't need to go, I don't need to go to high school for that, mate. Can you, can you imagine <laughs> if, if Neil was in the Matrix and Morpheus puts out his hands, it's like, if you take the red pill before he's finished the sentence, Neil's grabbed them both. Yeah. It's like, this has yeah, never happened before, yeah, what that, happens that, now? That, yeah. that, that would be the, what if I did both? Yeah, uh, so like, mate, you got another one of them ones, <laughs> you got another colour. <laughs> I'm coming down a seashore. <laughs> Got yeah. any benzos? <laughs> so yeah, I watched um, 
the last, the third act of The Matrix, which I hadn't seen in a long, long time. That movie still holds up. Yeah. That's oh, still yeah. a belter act. The second one is also way better than people give it credit for. I like the second one. The third one, however, is just mince. I think me and Paco. Were... I, can, I can never get past the club scene in the third one. Uh, that's that's my point of tolerance. So is, me and Paco had enough of. We're talking about, and it's it's still a talking point. But I used to say, oh man, the whole thing when our pal couldn't figure out whether the Matrix or not. It's like in the Matrix. It's like. They're supposed to be incognito, and fuck me, they stick out like a sore thumb. Yeah. As a group, you're like, yeah. you're the only guys dressed like that. Of course the agents are going to find you. What the fuck's going on? I I will say, like, there's an aspect of the, the last movie that I did not pick up on at all until, like, I watched a YouTube video about it quite recently, and I see the, the whole kind of point of the, the whole prophecy and the control thing is like Neo's supposed to return to the source mm. and go through like the other door than the one he chose when he chose to rescue Trinity mm-hmm. and like at the end of the third movie Neo is directly plugged into the source which is why when Agent Smith takes over him he gets deleted because that's yeah. where programs go to be deleted I didn't realise that's mm. what was happening Yeah, I thought it was just supposed to be like no like, I, like yeah I, I got that and also that's another thing about the second film he would have. Trinity would have just exploded the minute Neo catches her. He's going to yeah. such a fucking speed. Like, I would she would have just been like, I would that to you. Squishing a grape. I, mean, I, I would love to see like a cut of that scene where like he's moving so fast that like, he's dragging all the cars and stuff behind him. And just as like he cuts the shot where you see it side on and he hits Trinity, where it just turns into like a blood spray. <laughs> like <laughs> she explodes. I want to, I want to see that. What, what have I done? Yeah. <laughs> just. Pops. She, she like would a, as well, then you're like, it, it, no question about it. She yeah. fucking just blew up. It's like every bone in her body would just break instantly. Yeah. <laughs> you were worried about a bullet, mate. You've fucking fast tracked her to, death. To be fair, though, it's a virtual world which he yeah. has managed. He's managed to control. So the rules of physics do not apply. It would still be a, an entertaining show. It'd be hilarious. And that was Raptors in the Kitchen! <laughs> and that was Raptors in the Kitchen! <laughs>